in the world that we live in, there are a lot of different rivalries, and some are very famous rivalries. You will probably know about some of them. There's Pepsi and Coke is a big rivalry. And then there's like the Mac people versus the PC people. And then there's the PC people fighting on another front with PC versus the console people. And then the console people are fighting with the Xbox versus the PS4 people. And then there's, you know, a whole other bunch of people who are fighting about other things like, you know, New South Wales versus Queensland or Sydney versus Melbourne. Or then there's like Jess versus Logan versus Dean. And if you're wondering, I'm on Team Jess So there you go. There are all these rivalries. Uh, One rivalry, though, that has made me particularly sad recently uh, is the rivalry between Batman and Superman. So when they announced that film, at the beginning, I was really excited because Superman, he is my favorite superhero. I love Superman. He he is strong. He can do anything. And he's a good guy. You know, he doesn't have you know, demons that he's got to wrestle with. He just goes around being a good guy. It's great. And then there's Batman. I love Batman too. He is also one of my favorite superheroes. And then there's like Batman and Superman in a film together. I was like, this is fantastic, except they're not friends. They're going to fight with each other. And I was a little bit sad. I was like, Batman and Superman, they should get on with each other. It shouldn't be Batman versus Superman. It should be Batman and Superman, super friends together forever. It'd be Batman and Superman going shopping together and Batman and Superman going for drives and Batman and Superman just, you know, having a good bromance. But I knew I had to go to the movies and watch Batman and Superman fight each other, which first I thought would be stupid because obviously Superman is going to win. Like, it's so obvious that Superman's going to win because Batman, all he ever does is just maybe save Gotham or maybe just make it a little bit worse. We're never quite sure. Superman once flew around the earth a bunch of times and turned time back. Batman can't do that. Batman could do nothing. Superman could just, Superman would totally destroy Batman if they were in a fight. So it's a dumb movie anyway. But then I watched the movie. I'm like, yes, this is a dumb movie. But I knew that eventually they were going to get on. I was just waiting for that bit when they became friends. Just waiting for when Batman and Superman would, you know, get together and they'd hug and they'd be like, great, let's go and fight bad guys together. And it turned out the reason why they did it is because their mums had the same name. Their mums are both called Martha, which is absurd. That's no reason to become friends with anyone. If that was the case, then everyone here whose mum is named Jane, we should be best friends. So if your mum's name is Jane, let's go and start a club. We'll be the mum's called Jane, best friend club. It'll be great. We'll meet out there and play mini golf together and talk about how great it is that your mum has four letters in her name or something. I don't know. It's dumb. It's really, I'm getting distracted anyway. But I was just waiting for the bit when they're going to get together, right? And eventually they did. They got friends. Then they got on and they started fighting the bad guys together. That was the way things should be. Now, I tell you about this because there is another rivalry that we encounter in the world that also shouldn't exist. There shouldn't be a rivalry, but it is there. And some of you will know about it and some of you won't. And if you don't know about it, you're about to know about it. And I'm going to let you in on a dirty secret of church politics. There is this divide between the Word and the Spirit, or more specifically between the Word people and the spirit people, and they don't always get on that well. 
And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm about to tell you. There are the word people. Now, if you go and see a word people church, you'll realize that these people, they just love the Bible. They love the Bible. They love reading the Bible. They love talking about the Bible. They love memorizing the Bible. They love talking to each other about the Bible. When they go on dates together, they go and study the Bible together on dates because it's super romantic to do that. When, the, when you go to church and you go to a word church, what happens is the way church works is you come in and you sit down and then someone welcomes you to the service. Then you stand up and you sing a song. And the song is very short. The song goes like this. It goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, sit down. And that happens twice. You do two songs, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, sit down. And then someone will stand up and do some announcements. And then you stand up and you sing one more song, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, sit down. And then someone does the Bible reading and it's a very long Bible reading. And then someone preaches. And this is what it's all about, the preaching. Everyone is like, yes, here we are, the grand part of the service, the preaching, because this is where God speaks. God speaks when someone shares the Word of God. Someone stands up and talks, and there, here is someone sharing God's Word from the front, and everyone hears God's Word and responds to God's Word in their heart. And, and it's only a good sermon if it goes for about 35 minutes, and it's got three points, and it's got a, at least three or four Greek words in it. And if and if you don't understand the sermon fully, then it was a good sermon. You're like, wow, that was too smart for me. That was a good sermon. Woo-wee. And then when it finishes, then, then everyone's like, all right, let's sing two more songs, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, sit down. And then everyone goes and has tea and coffee and maybe brownies, if you're lucky. And there's absolutely no ministry time because the work of God was not between you and other people. It was between you and God when you heard the word preached. That is what a word church is like, but then there's the spirit churches, and they are different. You go to a spirit church and you sing a song for a long time. <laughs> it goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, bridge, 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 and then People just do whatever they want for a bit. And then you just sing like a few words over and over again, like spirit, water, spirit, water, bridge, 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 chorus. Like 20 to 30 minutes later, it's like, oh, let's move on to the next song. And then, you know, eventually when it all come, calms down, the pastor gets up and they're like, Wow wasn't the spirit moving church and you're like I wish we were moving come on <laughs> and then and then the pastor says you know what I had a I had a message prepared for today it was ready to go but the spirit just told me <laughs> to share something different I'm going to preach to you from Psalm 34 verse 8 and not just from Psalm 34, verse 8, from one word in Psalm 34, verse 8, and that is the word, and. Are you an and person? Are you going to be a generation of and? What does God want to add to you? What are the ands for God and you? What is this and? Are you going to have the spirit of and? Or are you going to have the spirit of but? What is it going to be? And then... After this, there's a time of, of prayer and people come forward and everyone prays the spirit of and onto people. 
and then, uh, then you sing a bit more, and then eventually you go out and you finish, and then you have coffee made by the best barista in Sydney. It's fantastic. And that is the difference between a word church and a spirit church, and then they'll warn each other about each other. Like the word people say, oh, don't go to that spirit church. They're not very biblical. And then the spirit people say, don't go to that word church. They're not very spirit-led. And we warn each other about each other, but there shouldn't be that divide. We should be friends with each other. We should be like Batman and Superman. We should be getting on with each other. It's not like our mothers have the same name, but we totally have the same father. So we should definitely get on. And for, for Soul Survivor, the values of Soul Survivor are word, spirit, and action. And so at Soul Survivor, we want them all to come together, that we love the word. And we love the Spirit, and we put it into action. So the question is, how can we be people who love the Word and love the Spirit so we put it into action? Because the more Word we have and the more Spirit we have, then the more we will become like Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing we need to know, I guess, really, is that the Word and the Spirit, they go together. They they work together. The, The Word people love the Word, because it tells us about God. But how do we know about God except that God has told us about Himself in His Word? It was the Spirit who helped write the Bible. In 1 Timothy 3.16, we are told that the Word of God is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. We get told uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says uh, that the the Bible was written, or so they were given not to... uh, start again. Paul teaches them, he says, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The reason why we know what God thinks and what God has done for us and what God is like is because the Holy Spirit gave Himself to the writers of the Bible so that they could write it down. Uh, In John 14, 26, Jesus promises the disciples uh, that He is going to send to them another counselor, and someone who will teach them all things and remind them of everything that he had said to them. Meaning that the disciples, they weren't going to remember everything about Jesus. They weren't going to know everything about Jesus, but Jesus would send the Holy Spirit so that through the Spirit, they could write the New Testament. So the only reason why we have the Bible that we love is because we have the Spirit, who we love, enabling the Bible to be written. And we can't, you know, separate the two. When I was, you know, trying to convince Emily that she should love me for the rest of her life, I wrote her love letters, and they were so good. They were the best. I sound like Donald Trump. They were the very best letters, but they were so good. They were, the, they were amazing. I just poured out my heart. I was like, Emily, you are to me like the ocean because you flow. And I don't know what I wrote. It was, it was so so emotional that I just poured out myself to her and she, if she got it and she read it and she was like, wow, that's so good. Thank you for that letter, Tom. I'm going to cherish this. Off you go. I don't need you. I've got the letter. That would break my heart. Or if I wrote the letter and I poured myself out to her in the letter and then she took the letter and she was like, meh, I don't need that. I got you, Tom. I'd be like, I put so much effort into the letter. Don't reject the letter. We go together, the letter and me. 
And so we don't reject the Word and we don't reject the Spirit because they go together. The Word and the Spirit work together. And so they must go together because the Spirit wrote God's Word for us with God's people as they wrote it down. But the other thing that we need to love about the Bible is not just that it was brought to us by the Spirit, but that it is uh, illuminated for us by the Spirit, that we can understand the Bible because of the Spirit. Now, your Bible should be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, this is what Paul has to say about uh, how the Spirit helps us to understand God. And my bookmark will work. This is what he says. He says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ." The reason why we can understand God's Word, the reason why we can understand the Bible is because we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us, helping us to understand the Bible. And some of you are like, "Mm, don't think that's true, because anyone can read the Bible and understand it. Like, it's not that hard, it's written in English. You can read it. Like, it's not like someone sits down who's not a Christian, reads it and says, love your enemies. I wonder what that means. What is this word, love? And who is your? And what is enemies? I don't know. This makes zero sense to me. If you read that, you know what it means. It means love your enemies. It's pretty obvious. So why would we say that you can't understand the Bible without the Spirit? And so what this means is not that the the Bible is incomprehensible, but that what you know in your head comes real in your heart, because the Holy Spirit makes the truth of God real to you, so that it becomes beautiful to you, so that it changes who you are, because the Holy Spirit is taking God's truth and helping you to live it out. The more words that you have, and the more spirit that you have, the more you become like Jesus. I saw an example of this lack of understanding once when I saw one of the famous atheists of the world on TV. And he shared the gospel better than I've heard a lot of Christians share it. It wasn't quite right, but it was pretty darn close. And this is what he says. He said, The New Testament teaches that God, the all-powerful creator of the universe, couldn't think of a better way to forgive humanity's sins than to have himself put on earth, tortured and executed in atonement for the sins of humanity. Do you think that it's admirable? Do you think that it's admirable that God actually had himself tortured for the sins of humanity? That is the Christian view. If you think that's admirable, you can keep it. Now, I wouldn't exactly put the gospel, the good news of Jesus like that, but pretty much he sums it up. And when he hears that, he goes, that is barbaric. That's terrible. But when we hear that, we say, that is life. That is the good news of how much God loves us. Because the Holy Spirit has taken the truth of what God has given to us, which seems like foolishness to the world, and He says, this is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word and to live out God's Word. More Word, more Spirit makes us more like Jesus. So if this is true, that we have the Holy Spirit who helped write the Bible 
and helps us understand the Bible, then how are we going to put that into action? How are we actually going to go and live that out? And that's what I want to do for the rest of our time together. Let's look at some really practical ways to figure out how we get more Word and more Spirit so we become more like Jesus. What this means is, first of all, read your Bible. And I know, you know, you're like, oh, I've heard it before, but really, are you reading your Bible? You want to read your Bible, but are you doing it? You're not going to hear from God unless you spend time reading God's Word to you. So read your Bible. And firstly, as you read your Bible, don't treat it like some magical book, because it's not a magic book. You can't just read the words and then suddenly magical things will happen, like some, you read some spell and then God does crazy things and then everything comes good in your life. That's not how it works. And you don't get to just open up the Bible to some random page and be like, oh yeah, that's what God has to say to me today. That's not how it works. Like you don't treat any other book like that. In fact, the Bible is a group of books, so you don't treat any group of books like that. It's not like you would walk into a library I mean, maybe it's not like you would walk into a library anyway, but if you did walk into a library, it's not like you would walk up into the library and then, like, grab some cookbook from 1954 off the shelf, open it up and read a bit and hope that it would solve your love life. Like, that's not how it works. You've got to go, oh, look, this is a cookbook. What could this teach me about cooking? And look, it's from the context of 1954, so maybe I'll have to translate this a little bit to my context now, because the measurements are going to be a little bit different, and the things that they use are going to be a little bit different, and the uh, ideas about who should be in the kitchen or not might be a little bit different. So we have to retranslate that to what is true for, for now, what you know about your society now or your life now. The Bible is a group of books that was written over thousands of years, and it's got all these different genres. There are poetry, and there's prophecy, and there's, um, there's bits of wisdom in there, and there's history in there, there's, there's letters in there, there's all these different things. You've got to know what you're reading so you understand how to read it. The other thing you do with books is when you read them, often you read them from beginning to end, don't you? Especially if they're like a novel or something, you start at the beginning and you work your way through, you read a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, till you're finished, and then you read a new one. Well, you can do that with the Bible because it's a collection of books. So start at the beginning of the book, read a bit and read a bit and read a bit and read a bit until you get to the end, then start again. And if, like a reference book, you might jump in somewhere in the middle to discover something, like we already did today with 1 Corinthians, then make sure you know what else is going on around the place. You know the context. Who is it written to? Who is it written for? What's it all about? So you know how to read this book of the Bible. And if you're like, look, I don't know how to do that. How do I figure that out? Well, you can go ask someone. You've got a youth pastor or youth leaders or a pastor in your church, hopefully. And if you don't want to go to them, go to YouTube. I've been watching a lot of videos from this group called The Bible Project. Do you guys know them? Yeah, like they give you an outline of every single book of the Bible. So if you want to understand a book of the Bible and you've got about seven minutes to spare on YouTube, which you do, because I know you, like me, will definitely spend seven minutes looking at videos of people hurting themselves. So why not spend seven minutes looking at a video of what God has given to us in His Word? So the Bible Project, write that down. If you write nothing else down, write that down and go watch them, because you'll learn. And then just spend time each day reading the Bible. You sit down in your favorite chair, and you spend 10 minutes reading the Bible. You say, God, help me to understand what I'm going to read. Then you read it, and then you say, God, what did I learn about you? What did I learn about myself? 
What are you challenging me with? And uh, what questions do I have? And then write them down. And then spend a bit of time praying about it. Then you're done. You've got time to do that every day. And then you, if you do that, you will hear from God because he speaks through his word. And if you ask the Spirit to help you understand it, he's going to do it because he wants you to hear from him. So there you go. That's reading your Bible. The second thing to do as you read the Bible is make sure you don't misuse the Bible because we are really good at misusing the Bible. There's different ways that you can do it. One way you can do it is that you become a Bible hoarder. There are some people who love hoarding stuff. They love it when things are on sale. I don't know if that's you. Maybe you or someone you know, like, is on Gumtree all the time and trying to find free stuff that you can pick up, or you go and find sales and buy stuff. I had a friend who, who once bought, like, 500 exercise books because they were on sale. He was like, they were, they were three cents each. Three cents, so I got 500 of them. I was like, great. What are you going to do with 500 exercise books? No one even uses exercise books anymore. You just wasted whatever 500 times three cents is, 1,500 cents. That's a waste of money, really. What's he going to do with them? If you are someone who like, just gathers lots of stuff and you don't use it, then you're just a hoarder. It's a waste. And if you just learn the Bible, you just memorize stuff and know stuff, so that you've just got a whole lot of Bible knowledge there and you never put it into practice in your life or you never share it with other people or you do share it with other people just to show how darn smart you are, then you are a Bible hoarder and you've got to stop it. You've got to use the Bible for its intended purpose so that you might know God. You might know how much He loves you. You might know how He wants you to change that you might know how he wants you to love other people, that you might know how to live for him. Don't misuse the Bible by keeping it all for yourself and not letting it change you or change how you relate to other people. You need more Bible, but you need more spirit to help you live it out so that you become more like Jesus. But another way that we can misuse uh, the Bible is that we ignore the Bible. We ignore the ordinary voice of God because we're waiting for the extraordinary voice of God. We really want God to speak to us. And so we're like, God, please speak to me. Please give me a word. Give me something. And all the time, God has been speaking to you through the Bible. Don't ignore the, the ordinary voice of God because you're waiting for the extraordinary voice of God. I don't know if your mom leaves you notes at home. Chances are she may have done it. And your mom might leave your note saying, hey, kids, can you please tidy your room before I get home? Love, mom. When you read that, you don't read that note and say, hmm, I really wish my mom would call me and tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. If she could just call me and make it clear what her will is for me, then I would, I would definitely obey her. You don't do that because you know what she said. It's in the note. And if she rang you, how do you think the conversation would go? Hello? Hi, it's your mum. Oh, hi, mum. I'm just wondering what to do. Read the note. Yes, I, say, I saw that. You want me, my brothers and sisters, to clean our room. And I know that's definitely a word for my brothers and sisters, but is it for me? Do you want me to clean my room? Yes, clean your room. But... Really? Me? 
when do you want me to do it? Do you want me to do it before 4.30 or after 4.30? If you could make that clear to me, then I will clean my room. Clean your room. You're like, but, but I'm trying to work out, Mum, is it the right season for cleaning my rooms? My room, I would love to know if it's the right season. Clean your room. Where should I start, Mum? Should I start with the, the, the bed? Should I start with the food under the bed? I'm not sure, Mum. Clean your room. She would make, she'd be like, you've got the note, read the note. And I think that God often is probably like that with us. We're like, God, speak to me. And he's like, look in your hand. Speak to me. What's in your hand? Speak to me. It's in your hand. God has spoken to us through his word. And he's given us the spirit so that we might understand it. He's given us the Spirit so we would read bits of it and the Spirit would be like, that is for you, that is for you, that is for you, and that is for you. So you might know. We're so busy waiting for God to give us something spectacular when we miss the ordinary. So love it. Love the Word of God. And then do the things that He's already told you to do. If you're waiting for God to tell you something specific, you've got plenty to get on with in general that He's given you in the Bible. You've got plenty of time to go out and love your enemies and plenty of time to, to hang out with the poor and plenty of the time to, to have time to tell people about Jesus. If you're waiting for a specific word, just get on with the, the other words already because he's given you stuff to do. Another thing that we can do to misuse the Bible is that we just twist the Bible, that we know what we want it to say and so we deliberately misuse it so that it says what we want it to say so that it affirms what we want it to be. I, uh, when I was in school, there was this girl that I had a crush on. I liked her for, uh, for years. And uh, I often, you know, talk about my crushes in sermons, and this is something that really did happen to me. I was praying. I was like, God, I really want to date this girl. Can you please make it happen? I prayed for months and months and months, and nothing was happening Maybe because I never did anything about it. But, you know, I think it was because, also because God just didn't work a miracle in my love life. I was, where is my miracle, God? I was like, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to see if God has a word for me in the Bible. And I knew that in Matthew chapter 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if God said that to me? I'm just going to read the Bible until he says something to me. I'm going to read Matthew until he speaks to me. I'll just start at the beginning and see what happens. So I read Matthew chapter 1, didn't say anything. Matthew chapter 2, nothing. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And then God said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I'm like, yes, I'm getting a girlfriend. God, you have spoken to me in your word. And you know what? I never dated that girl. Because I just misused the Word of God to make it tell me what I wanted it to say. And we do that all the time. We use the Word of God to justify our sin. And we use the Word of God to justify our laziness or to justify our inaction. Or sometimes we just say, look, I've got to spend more time just really understanding this before I put it into practice. Don't twist the Word of God. He has made it clear and don't make it say what you want it to say to you. And lastly, what we can do, and this isn't misusing the Word of God, this is a way to use it, is learn it so that you learn the voice of the Spirit. Because if God speaks through His Word, then you will understand when the Spirit speaks to you 
outside of his word, if you know his word in the Bible. Now, when the Spirit speaks, he can speak outside of the Bible, but he will never speak beyond the Bible. He can speak through words and prophecies. He can speak through your friends. He can speak through family members. He can speak through nature. He can speak through dreams. He can speak through visions. He can speak through TV shows. He can speak however the heck he wants. He's God. He does what he wants. But he will never tell you something that he hasn't, uh, that contradicts what he says in the Bible. He will never do that. And so you've got to know what's in the Bible so that when you hear him speak, you know if it's from him or if it's just yourself. Like if you say, look, I really feel like the Spirit is telling me that I should just hang out with my friends at that party and just to be a real friend to them and to show them that Christians, we're normal people too, so we can just get a bit drunk. That's fine. But then you read in the Bible and the Bible says, do not get drunk. You're like, that mustn't have been the Spirit. Because the Bible is pretty clear, don't get drunk. So you're like, ah, I understand that that was not the voice of the Spirit. That was the voice of me wanting to fit in with my friends and get a bit drunk. So you don't do it. But the only way you know that is if you know the Word of God. So learn the Word of God and spend time in it so that you might know the voice of the Spirit when He speaks. And He will speak. He will speak in special situations. He will speak to specific situations, to specific people, but He will never say anything that contradicts what He has already said in the Word. The last thing I want to say is the question that we might often have in this is why would we do this? Like we're always told, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And one, I've already made it clear, this is where God speaks to us. This is how God has shown us himself. But it's not just because like, oh, we get to see God, but we get to see the goodness of God. The whole of the Bible is about showing us where we sit in relationship to God and where God sits in relationship to us. And that we have been in a place where we have broken our relationship with him, but that he has sent his son, Jesus, that Jesus would live with us, that he would die for us, that he would rise again so that we might be friends with God and that we might have the Holy Spirit who lives within us and helps us to follow him. We, know, we look at the Bible and we read it because we want to see Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, he's come to us so that we might see Jesus. We read the Bible so that we might know God and who he is and what he has done for us in his son, Jesus. It is a great book to read if you want to know God and his goodness to us in Jesus. If you are someone who isn't a Christian, then what this means for you is there is a great story to be told in the world. And that story is the story of God's love for his people across generations, culminating in his son Jesus, so that you might be friends with God, that you might be saved from your sin, that you might have eternal life with God. The only way you will discover that if you spend time reading about him. So look at the Bible, read it, ask the Spirit to help you understand it, and you will see God and his love for you. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is it's time to spend more time getting to know Jesus in his word. Getting more word, more spirit, so you might become more like Jesus. You probably know what you need to do. Chances are you need to read your Bible. And don't just do it because it's just some book that you're told to read, but do it because that is where God speaks to you. If you want to hear the voice of God, first start in the Bible 
and then you'll hear it wherever he chooses to speak. How about I pray for us, and then I'm going to get Andrew to come up and join us. Our Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you did not leave us in the dark so that we did not know you, that we could not understand you, but that you have spoken through your prophets. Ultimately, you have spoken through your Son. That you have given us your Spirit so that we might hear you, that we might see what you have done for us and that we might be changed. I pray that we will be people who are not divisive, but we are people who bring your church together. That we are people who want more word, we want more spirit, so that we might have more of Jesus. Amen.